Welcome to episode number 99 of the MR Running Pains podcast. My name is Aaron Saft. I am your host for this podcast. And today I have um, a repeat guest. And um, this podcast actually came from uh, another podcast that I do for the Hellbender 100 Mile Race. Um, my guest is Jake Edmiston. Jake is a registered dietitian. Um, and just a wonderful resource for nutrition. And I just felt that this episode was so pertinent and so, you know, just chock full of information for you guys that uh, I needed to share it uh, as, as much as I can, um, you know, through the various platforms that I have. So um, I'll, I'll release that uh, episode here uh, in podcast format, and then it'll be on YouTube. And so, you know, it's it's going to be shared across platforms, which is great because really want this information to get out. I think it's uh, you know it's a great, um, uh, just informative episode. So I hope you enjoy it, and uh, I'll catch up with you guys after the uh, the recording of uh, the Hellbender podcast, and uh, we'll we'll go over everything that's going on in the world of MR running pains. I hope all is well. And again, I'll talk to you later. Jake, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and, and you know your your uh, ultra running experience as well? Yeah, so I started running marathons, I guess, probably seven, eight years ago. Maybe I don't know, maybe ten years now. I guess that's longer than that now. I can't. <laughs> it's hard to keep track after so many years. But um, so I actually started running marathons on a whim, and really the first marathon got me into nutrition. I was kind of I dropped out of school as an engineer and then always wanted to run a marathon. And, you know, I've always had a kind of, um, uh, you know, always liked to run and stayed active. So, you know, running a marathon was just something for me to do. And then that led me into like running books. And then that obviously leads into nutrition books if you're really trying to optimize things. And I just kind of fell in love with just how the body handles nutrition and how it can affect so much of your life. Obviously, we eat three times a day, if not more, for most people. Um, and so then we're, and that just led me to find my passion to go back to school. So I got my undergraduate degree at Appalachian State University, went on to get my master's at New Mexico State University. And that's where my wife and I just loved it out here. We ended up staying in New Mexico, and we now live in the mountains in New Mexico and Ruidoso. Um, and it's just been wonderful. And I work as mostly a consultant dietitian. So you know, I work with your athletes, some other athletes I've picked up. I also do a lot of, you know, development disabled clients, long-term care, dialysis. So I, I, I get a wide gamut of just different individuals and people with all kinds of different goals. You know, some are obviously just health-based, trying to stay healthy and live longer. And other people are looking for peak performance and their racing goals. And that's kind of what I'm, you know, I'm no, uh, <laughs> Uh, Killian Jornet or anything, but I like to get out there and, you know, pound some miles out on trails. I like to lift weights, stay active. Um, I've done, I can't even tell you how many ultras anymore. I used to keep track and then I've just kind of given up. I think at one point last, it was over 40 ultras and probably like around the same amount of marathons and uh, I've done three 100 milers. And so I've got decent amount of experience of just running them. I've done well in some races, done well not so well in a lot of other races and uh <laughs> so I've, I've definitely learned my own uh trial of one bug myself what works what doesn't works and honestly i keep learning what works and what doesn't work because it's not like one race is always the same as the next so you kind of unfortunately have to always keep practicing and keep at it and it's you know that's what makes it fun it's a lifetime journey of finding finding you know your happy place and you know yeah. seeing where you can peak and move on from there that's yeah, that's for sure, and and nutrition is no different, especially race day nutrition, um, which is our topic of conversation today. Um, we uh, we want to kind of just get into a little bit the, the the nuts and bolts and kind of give people a, a, an idea of how to better prepare themselves. Um, you know, so um, if if we were to say, um, you know, uh, we're looking at planning a race strategy around nutrition and hydration, um, what um what what should we be looking at? So what, um, are we looking at calories or carbohydrates or both? And then what type of interval do we typically suggest that these folks should, uh, should eat at or drink at? Well, the, the interval is really up 
it's kind of more individualized on what somebody can handle with their, their gut. Um, and honestly, I, I don't really tend to focus too many on calories because if you're hitting your kind of grams of carbohydrates and, you know, protein and fat, then really you're going to be hitting your, you know, overall calorie needs as well. So I think if you just focus on the, the grams of each macronutrient and just kind of try to target certain numbers, then you'll be, you know, set yourself up for more success than just thinking in calorie wise. Um, so the typical hourly recommendation is 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrates an hour. Obviously in a race like Hellbender, we got to go, you know, we're going to be on our feet anywhere from what's a course record, 18 hours, 20, somewhere in the, 20, 12, yeah, 20. So, and then you have, you know, people out there for 36, 40, um, hours. 40 is the cutoff. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, people are going to be on their feet a long time. So, you know, it's a, it's a full day. So we want to make sure we're getting in other macronutrients as well. And we can talk about timing of, of those, you know, with your proteins and your fats. Um, you should try to consistently be getting in your carbohydrates and then um, the protein and fat could be spread a little farther apart. Cool. Right on. So 60 to 90 grams of carbohydrates per hour. Uh, and again, that's just depending on the individual and what they can tolerate. Now, um, how do they determine what they can tolerate? So any type of race day nutrition, just like your, you know, training for your runs and your, you know, your intervals and your long runs, you should also be training your, you know, your diet, what you're going to be eating. Uh, you know, some, nothing should be brand new on race day. Um, so you should be able to know based on the last couple of months on your long runs, especially, you know, how much you can ingest. Um, and you can even, you know, train your gut. I mean, there's studies that, you know, really the upper limits 90. And I've seen some studies where, you know, elite athletes are getting taken in 110 grams of carbohydrates an hour just to train it, you know, to provide more than needed and to kind of train it to um, clear away the carbohydrates faster. Um, and then, you know, is there a benefit there, you know, maybe a, a slight benefit. Um, but you know, when you're talking about elite athletes too, you know, any edge you can get on taking in more calories to sustain a, a harder effort is going to be worth it. So, you know, when you're out on the runs, you want to be having, you know, plan on trying to get 90 grams in an hour. And then if you're like nauseated and just like, oh, and you're having to slow down from stomach cramps, maybe you want to add a little bit more water and we're tweaking during the training runs. And, you know, that last two months is really critical, especially as like your runs get longer and longer to see what you can handle. Um, and the more you train it, the more your body will adjust and acclimate and be able to handle more and more. Um, so like if, if you're not ever eating on runs and all of a sudden you try to give it 80 grams, that might not be the strategy. You might want to start with 50 an hour, then 60 and then 70 and keep seeing where your upper limit is and what's feeling comfortable to you. So the race, you know, then on race day, you should know like, okay, I was really handling well, I was really feeling good at 70 grams, you know, an hour. Um, let's, let's try that and let's, you know, go from there. Um, okay. you know, we can always, obviously in a long race, you know, things change, you slow down, you speed up and, uh, you might be able to eat more real quickly at one point and not feel like eating nothing at, you know, other times. So, um, but that, that's, that's really how you're going to determine it is on your training runs. Okay. Is there an ideal carb or an ideal carb source or can it be multiple sources or should it be multiple sources? So it, it should be multiple sources. I say 90 grams and you know, that 60 to 90 is really when you're looking at like the 90 is if you're having a mixture of, um, uh, monosaccharide sugars. So that's like your glucose versus your, your fructose. Um, and so when you, you break it down, they show that you can digest about 60 grams of glucose, um, and about 30 grams of fructose. And that's kind of like your two to one ratio is your optimal ratio for absorbing and that kind of gets you to that 90 grams and so if you look at say something like fruit just generic fruit uh like the it's about 55 45 glucose and fructose um and honestly now that i say that maybe it's 55 fructose glucose. i'd have to go i need to go look it up again. <laughs> <laughs> but basically it's you know it's basically right around that 50 50 mark so say if you had some fruit and then you had like a gel you know, that's pretty much all like maltodextrin, which is just a longer glucose chain. You could take, you know, 
um, 40 grams of, you know, gel, you know, or 45 grams of gel, 45 grams of um, fruit. And that would get you like a 60, 60 or 60, 30 ratio or two to one ratio of glucose to fructose. And so, you know, most, most of your gels um, are mostly glucose. I mean, most, you know, table sugar is, is glucose. It's just two glucose molecules. Um, so, you know, that's going to be your typical, your typical sugar. And then, so fructose is coming in, obviously your fruit um, and a couple other, um, you know, high fructose corn syrup and some of your other um, manufactured sugars as well. Okay. And, you know, the, a lot of times we have um, fluids that will yield these calories as well, uh, excuse me, not calories, but carbohydrates as well. Um, should we be differentiating, um, you know, having food and fluids, should fluids just be for uh, rehydration or can they also add to our, our carbohydrate total? They can definitely add to your carbohydrate total. There's nothing wrong with, you know, a, a carbohydrate solution drink, if that's your preferred method to get them down. Um, you know, a glucose molecule is pretty much a glucose molecule, um, whether it comes in a form of food or a, a drink. The, the issue that I usually run into with athletes with just doing drinks is that, you know, sometimes that, you know, you, you're over, you're wearing out your sweet taste, bud eventually, and then you just don't want to drink that, uh, you know, sweet beverage anymore. And then if, if that's all you got on you, if you don't have plain water or just a, another, you know, not sweet beverage on you, you might start not drinking as much and not eating as much. And therefore you become dehydrated and you might set yourself up for failure. So I always, so I, have, I never have an issue with the drinks. I just always say you might want to carry some additional water with you to kind of drink to cleanse the palate. Um, and then, you know, the longer races, you definitely want to be eating some type of solids. I mean, it's going to be hard to go just on, you know, fluids the whole time. I mean, could you do it? Sure. I mean, but, you know, then you got talking about, you know, we haven't gotten into like the protein aspects or fat. I mean, you're not really going to find many drinks with that. I mean, you can make protein powders, obviously. And um, so you could even do that. But, um, you know, and then just the satiation feeling, you're going to feel a little bit more satiated, Um and then instead of just feeling constantly hungry from, you know, drinks after, after a while. And I find often it's the same tale when, you know, uh, you know, I was speaking with a person the other day that was like, usually the first half of the race, I, I just do gels, but then the second half, you know, I have to do something else. Are we talking kind of the same idea here that, you know, we've just kind of overloaded the palate with the same. Right. You're just, yeah, you're, you're, you know, it, it's kind of like eating leftovers for some people. Some people just can't do it. I mean, you're just, if you're eating the same thing constantly, you know, you're, you're kind of wearing out your, your, your taste buds and sensors and you're just, you don't want the same thing over and over and over again. Um, so it is good to mix it up. I've, you know, honestly, that's kind of a strategy I've implied in the past or implored, um, you know, doing more gels and then going more solid foods. And that, that typically works for me too. Um, you know, if, if you kind of change up your palate, change up the flavors of the gels you're using, all those little things can kind of help, um, prevent fatigue, you know, flavor fatigue. Um, but eventually like, if you're just constantly eating sugar, sugar, sugar on your, on your tongue, you're just going to get tired. So, you know, having some other, you know, breads or, um, flowers, you know, the way to get your, your glucose in can be beneficial or just some different textures can be helpful. So, so yeah, that's, that's really the, the main thing is if you're just constantly eating or drinking the same thing after a while, you're just going to get fatigued of it, especially. And we were talking about, you know, 24 hours, 30 hours. I mean, who wants to eat the same thing every hour continuously for hours on end? Right. <laughs> right. Um, you had mentioned that, um, you know, we ideally we want to have kind of a, uh, a 60 gram to 30 gram glucose versus fructose. Um, so with that, um, a lot of times, a lot of these companies are suggesting that, um, the higher the fructose value, um, the, uh, the less likely stomach distress will come into play. Is that a reality or is that? Well, I, I think what it is is because most gels are so just glucose heavy 
that and then most people do hear the 90 grams so if you're if you're constantly pounding like 70 80 90 grams and your body's just not able to absorb all that glucose then you're yeah sooner or later you're going to have some you know gi distress i mean because you're just not going to be able to process it all and you're constantly going to throw in more and more and sooner or later it's going to be too much of an overload on your gut um and so you know you could have diarrhea you could have constipation, cramping. I mean, you know, fluids, you know, all that extra fluid is going to be going to your gut to try to help absorption and therefore, you know, maybe put more at risk of dehydration. Um, so basically it's when they're advertising more fructose is because, you know, typically these gels haven't really had much fructose in the past. So now that they're getting more of a ratio down with more fructose, it's kind of like, Oh, see, it's going to be better because you're going to absorb better, which is true. And which is, is beneficial. Um, but it's not so much that it's like the end all be all, or, you know, the, it's just, you know, what they should have been doing, doing already, you know, it's kind of like they've learned. So now they're implementing more of a strategy. So maybe you don't have to eat multiple different foods. Now it's like, Oh, see, you can just use our gel for only this source. You know, you don't have to, you know, pair it with anything else. Um, in speaking, you, know, you, you kind of said that fruit typically has a, a really natural kind of balance of glucose to fructose. Um, you know, some fruits, um, can also be high in, in fiber. No. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, and fiber, you know, it's going to be, you know, help move things along. How accustomed to you are you to fiber will also play a role. Like if you're okay. eating lots of veggies, lots of fruits on your daily diet, you know, that fiber really maybe not matter to you. In fact, you know, just kind of keeping your regular diet would probably be beneficial. Um, you know, somebody that, doesn't eat a lot of fruit or vegetables, doesn't get a lot of fiber in their diet, you know, that extra fiber on race day, you know, could start causing actually more GI distress if it's, you know, working through you faster than you're used to. Um, so that is something, again, we're in training, you would definitely want to play around with. And honestly, I would encourage if, if you're not getting a lot of fiber in your diet in general, just for overall health, that you start implementing some more fibrous foods. So, <laughs> you know, there's, there's plenty of studies out there that show extra fiber in your diet is beneficial. And, you know, Americans, unfortunately, are um, in general are very poor at getting their daily recommended amount of fiber. Yeah. Um, okay. It, that stemmed kind of a few things for me here. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, you've reiterated that we need to train the gut um, you know, within our training to train it so that it knows what it's doing on race day. That that's, you know, that's accountable for how your body's going to handle the glucose and fructose, how it's going to handle fiber. Um, you know, we'll get into, um, uh, proteins and fats in, in just a bit. I just wanted to kind of take down this Avenue here. Um, you, um, we're, we're talking about the gut, the gut is its own microbiome. Um, how effective can, um, probiotics and prebiotics be in, um, assisting training the gut. Would you suggest that folks in their, you know, lead their buildup, their training use pre and, uh, probiotics or is that. So there's, there's mixed, um, I shouldn't say there's mixed. There's definitely a benefit to using probiotics as far as just overall GI health and, um, you know, help with absorption, help with the gut bacteria, promoting healthy gut bacteria, help with, you know, just your colon's health and your intestines health. Um, you know, a lot of the things I've kind of looked at the, um, you know, really show that once you stop a probiotic, um, you know, you're, it, it kind of starts, you know, you don't like keep the bent out of benefit cause you're not like constantly getting those probiotics. So you're kind of gut health. So I, I think it can be a good jump start, but your gut health will be naturally good if you're eating like lots of fruits and vegetables, cause um, like nuts and seeds, you know, things that are more fibrous cause your, your gut loves fibrous foods and that's like healthy bacteria. Um, and so, you know, if you've had a poor diet and you want to start a probiotic to start helping already go ahead and implement more healthy bacteria and then switch up your diet to a healthier diet, then it can definitely be beneficial. I mean, the probiotics never going to hurt you. So if you love probiotics and um, maybe you have some IBS and you found that having a probiotic is helpful for you, then yeah, then it, you know, keep, keep on it. But it, most of the studies show that you need to keep, keep it, keep it going. Like you just can't like a 30 day regimen and then stopping, you know, it's really maybe for that 30 days will be beneficial, but not, you know, long-term um, really the overall healthy diet is going to be your best for your a healthy gut. Cool. 
All right. Uh, okay. Now let's get into um, the other macros. Uh, let's start with uh, with proteins. Okay. Yeah. So uh, if we are doing, uh, if we're talking protein, um, you know, again, we need to, you know, train the body. So it, it understands what we're doing while we're running, having proteins. Um, what are we looking for in, in proteins? We talked about earlier that we're looking for, you know, approximately 60 to 90 grams of, of carbohydrates. What are we looking for here with protein? So you kind of want to mimic your typical diet if you're eating already like a good healthy um, pattern. And usually you want about 20 to 40 grams of protein every three to four hours. So when you're out on a run um, or just in your daily life, that every three to four hours, you know, men and women are obviously different, little difference in body sizes, body composition, all make a difference. But a general range of 20 to 40 grams is would be pretty universal for most people. If you're on the smaller side, a little less, and that's really to help you just prevent that muscle breakdown and let your body utilize the protein it's getting, um, you know, through the, through the food rather than like continue like muscle wasting. And like, you know, you can go ahead and like, you're always going to have like muscle breakdown with the run of any, this length. I mean, you're not going to prevent it, but you can kind of help support yourself by continuing to eat a well-rounded diet um, and getting that protein in every three to four hours. And that's so like, you know, that's where a lot of like your drop bags or your crew, like if you kind of time it around that, so maybe you don't have to carry those on you. I mean, you can definitely carry like bars on you, but if you want something more like a, you know, tuna salad sandwich or wrap or chicken, you know, chicken wrap or, you know, something like that, then, you know, having that on handy with your, your crew or a drop bag or something like that. Or even like a nut butter, about. right? Yeah. Nut butter. Um, you know, there's all kinds of obviously protein options out there these days. And, um, you know, again, like the more fibrous option, you're just eating like a handful of nuts and trying to eat a bunch of nuts that might not settle well on your stomach. But if you're training that way, then, and you, and you feel really good with it, then sure. You know, cool. Um, and, um, you know, the a topic of conversation that comes along with, with proteins, um, would be, uh, BCAAs, um, you know, goo has a, a, a pill and they, you know, they suggest, using it within, you know, within a, a, an endurance event, like a hundred mile like this. Um, what's, what's the thought pattern behind BCAs and, and using them in an event? Is that something that runners should think about? You can definitely think about it. The, the loose, the, the thought is that leucine is like your main driver, um, for protein synthesis. Like it's kind of like the key that starts the ignition is what you'll hear. And, it, you know, obviously, you know, your body's not a car and, you know, leucine isn't a key, but, you know, that's the typical metaphor. So you kind of need that to start the protein synthesis process. Um, you know, with the, you know, so if you can definitely have enough BCAAs, so like if you're getting enough protein, um, again, you can kind of create, you know, trying to like create muscle to, you know, prevent some of the muscle, you know, breakdown um and kind of offset it a little the science you know pretty much the meta-analysis i've read on on endurance athletes with bcaa supplementation has shown no benefit however like you know i remember reading one meta-analysis and they were <laughs> talking about it and it's like but none of these studies go really longer than three hours so when we're talking about like ultra endurance you know three hours is nothing that's your you know a shorter you know sunday run for most people um, so could there be an added benefit of, you know, when you're talking 20 hours, 24 hours, and you're constantly getting, I think definitely, cause you know, you get an added benefit just in your daily life of making sure you're hitting adequate leucine, um, with each, you know, protein meal. Um, so, I mean, I would definitely do that. I mean, if, you, but it's kind of the same thing, like if you're eating, depending on like the protein source you're getting, you're probably already getting like adequate leucine in your diet. Um, that you may not have to supplement with the BCAs, you know, the, obviously like, a, you know, most protein powders, you know, already have like the appropriate amount of leucine because it's been studied so well, they have that like three to five grams in there. And that's kind of like the key range of, about how much leucine you would want. Um, so, you know, if you're doing something like that, but like in most meats, so like your, you know, your chickens, your beefs, your porks and things like that are already going to have 
the appropriate amount of leucine in there as long as you're and if you're getting enough you know protein in general you'll hit it some of your more plant-based proteins might be a little lower on leucine so if you're doing all plant-based you know maybe having that bcaa um is beneficial in fact i mean honestly i eat mostly plant-based and so i actually take a bcaa supplement most of the time just for my own and i and i i honestly like i take bcaas on runs like even though the science has told me not to my my head still thinks like, oh, you know, it could be beneficial. So science doesn't really point to it, but there's not really a lot of good, you know, maybe, maybe somebody's working on it right now and I just haven't read it, which would be awesome. You know, I, you know, I'd love to love to see some more long endurance stuff with BCAAs um, and just loosening in general and see how it's um, coming out. But, you know, right now it's just, there's, it's more speculation than really anything in, you know, scientific, you know, census for a scientific, um, you know, that it's beneficial. Ed, you mentioned earlier that, you know, we could supplement protein with these, you know, uh, protein drinks, um, mixing it up and, and having it at perhaps like a drop bag or your crew having it ready for you. But, mm-hmm. um, in an event like this, um, especially, you know, with long duration, is there a, a, a benefit to either of the two types of protein, like animal-based protein or, uh, plant-based are either, are either more digestible or, um, uh, I mean, digestible, I mean, again, that would be kind of like your, your plant-based proteins, mostly if you're talking just like whole foods wise are going to be more fibrous. So like, again, if you're, if you're not used to that, you know, you, maybe you have more GI distress than, you know, your animal based, um, as far as like your protein powders, honestly, they, you know, whey is like the gold standard. So they don't do much with like a whey, um, animal based protein. Whereas like a plant-based protein, they're combining like pea and soy and make, and maybe even adding in some leucine to make it more, um, you know, the amino acid, um, uh, profile that you would like to see. So really, you know, even though it's coming from a different source, like if you're talking like protein powder, then, then yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter if you're buying plant or, um, okay. you know, they, you'll see some studies that weighs like the gold standard, obviously, but they're also making these plant-based proteins now where, like I said, they're engineering them to kind of mimic the same profile as, you know, a, a, a animal based. I think the only thing that I, I didn't realize, um, which I should have because of the taste <laughs> was, uh, how much added sugar can be in, um, some of these, uh, you know, like, uh, uh for instance, I, I looked at tailwind. I, I love the tailwind rebuild. I like just love the taste. And then I looked at the package on how much added sugar was in there. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a lot of sugar. And then, you know, I looked at like orgain, uh, which is the plant-based and it's like, you know, next to nothing. So, mm. um, I, you know, it's just make sure you're reading your label if you're using these products as to, you know, cause all of a sudden you're like, wow, like, you know, why, why am I just <laughs> on a, <laughs> on a sugar rush here and, yeah. and uh, it, you know, look at the label. So, um, yeah, and, it, and just, like just to kind of note on that, um, you know, like the the rebuild might be they're looking at more just like post recovery. So they might be just trying to make more of a post recovery in general, where giving you yes. those carbohydrates you need versus like an organ you might be just taking as like a supplement, um, you know, or like a meal replacement. So you don't really need as much carbohydrate. So you could have like technically you could use both and just kind of use them for different purposes. areas. Um, yeah, purposes. Exactly. So sure. just, just okay. also something to think about if, yeah. if you don't have to be scared away from the sugar necessarily, depending on what you're trying to use it for. Yeah. Okay. Um, it, so anything else with, with protein, is there anything we haven't mentioned that we should talk about with protein? No, I mean, definitely train with it again, you know, training, I mean, the kind of like, if you're not going out for too long of runs, like if you're not out for more than three hours, one of the things that I'll mention to people is say, if you're in your daily diet, or daily, you know, regiment, you're going every three to four hours, you know, run after you like, say, you you know, say you run at, uh, eight o'clock in the morning. Well, you could kind of like, maybe just eat a cup, like a banana or something and not have a protein source. And then like an hour into the run, go ahead and eat something like protein heavy and just to practice that way. So, you know, a lot of times we'll eat a meal, kind of wait, run, and then come back and eat protein. Whereas, you know, to train and to practice eating more protein, go ahead and time it where you want your protein meal on the run. And that would just be like one other caveat. If you don't have like the time and you could do that like a couple times a week, if you really wanted to, and you start, you really want to train and 
get your gut ready for, you know, a protein intake. Uh, and just to talk training for a second, um, and, you know, kind of training with nutrition, um, is there a certain time length that you start suggesting that athletes should start to practice with nutrition? In other words, is there uh, a duration of the run, like 90 minutes? So if you're doing a 90 minute run, you should be taking some kind of nutrition practice with it, or, you know, is it a longer interval? What do you suggest there? So like just in general, um, like if, you know, the further out from you are from like your goal race or hellbender in this case, um, you know, that's not as important. I would say just in general overnight, if you're going out for over 90 minutes, you want to take some nutrition with you. Um, you know, nowadays, you know, some doing some fasted runs are more in style and have shown to have some, you know, benefit maybe with, uh, you know, just different adapt adaptations. But, you know, once you get about, I would say, you know, typically around two months out, you really want to be honing in and stopping any of your, like your fasted runs, um, and you really want to be training that gut. I mean, even on like an hour runs, maybe trying to eat something 45 minutes in just to keep practicing and just to keep your body, you know, ready. Cause I mean, you know, the, the whole, um, trope of it's, you know, it's not a running race. It's an eating race. Sometimes you'll hear, um, you know, it's, it's kind of true and you need to be able to get those calories in so you can keep running. I mean, if you're not going to fuel yourself, you know, you're going to find yourself 20 hours in and, and walking and feeling like crap because you're underfueled and you, you can't go anymore. So the more you can practice eating um, and getting those calories in, the better off. So honestly, like almost every run longer than 45 minutes, an hour, I would, you know, that last two months, even if it's just one gel, just practice, you know, go ahead and starting that regimen and just like you're going to do on race day. Cool. All right. Thanks. Um, all right, let's get into uh, let's get into fats. Let's talk about fats. So, let's just start with as we have been talking about, what are we looking at for consumption and how frequent? So, so there's no real recommendations on fat as far as like you know, grams, but I mean, just like your again, kind of like you know, protein. You should kind of be mimicking your ordinary diet as far as like your timing and the amounts that you're looking for, and then you should just have healthy fats. And it's kind of the same thing, like you know it will help change the palate, you know, kind of cleanse off the palate from something so sugary. Now you're going to have a, you know, hit, hitting the fat sweet spot, you know, like things like avocados or, you know, something with more butter or, you know, a buttery piece of toast or, you know, you know, some people like, I don't know, you know, like your proteins are going to come with fats, you know, well, most, I mean, your animal based proteins will come with fats. Um, you know, so just really it's, there's no real recommendation as far as what you should be taking in. Um, you know, just having some healthy fats along the way. Like if you, like, if you do like nuts or seeds are going to have some, you know, you know, some fat, natural fats in it. So like the more healthy fats, like, you know, chia seeds, if you're doing something like that, um, like in your waters or it's just going to be beneficial for you in the long run. Um, and, but yeah, like there's, you know, if you're, more fat adapted as you know, if you're more used to eating higher fat diets, then I would definitely implement more on your runs just from that's like your typical if you're, but whatever your normal diet is, that's kind of like where you want to implement how much fat you're typically getting just to kind of keep that consistent. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's no, you know, I've never seen like you should have, you know, 30 grams of fat every hour or anything like, or 30 grams of fat every two hours or three hours or anything like that. So just your, your typical and, you know, healthy sources. All right. Uh, very good. Uh, should there be any sort of, um, I hate to call it like a, a calorie dump. You, you, the one made me think about it is that, you know, you're talking about your, you know, your daily eating habits. So, uh, you know, we've got this, this long race. Um, we're starting super early in the morning and, you know, 4.30 AM our body, you know, typically if it's used to a, a breakfast, lunch, and dinner schedule, should you have something similar during the race, you know, at, at those times of day, just because that's what your body's used to like a larger calorie consumption there in those times. Yeah. So, I mean, like when we're talking about, I mean, that's kind of like when we're, I guess when I'm talking about like your protein, that's kind of like the meal almost as, a, as I'm thinking of it. So um, like somebody who's training, you know, for something like Hellbender, um, you know, honestly, you should be eating, you know, four, four or five times a day of, you know, a protein source, um, you know, to kind of go along with your training. 
um, which would be beneficial. I mean, you can get by on other ways, but you know, if you're trying to really optimize, that's usually the, so if that's what you're typically doing, you know, if you're going to start like start early, say what time's hell better start four o'clock, four 30, four 30. So, you know, that's going to be a little earlier than most people typically wake up. I mean, some people might, you know, are getting up and, but you know, to run at four 30, you're waking up at what two most, you know, per se around mm -hmm. there. So you're already going to be up for a couple hours at 4:30. So you're just going to want to start that cycle a little earlier. Um, and you know that's the other thing to practice too is waking up, maybe having some of your longer training runs. You know, waking up and go ahead and eating if you're not much of a morning person. And then, honestly, just timing out where like, okay, I'll be at this aid station, or I'm going to carry this and I'm going to eat. You know, and you don't have to eat everything all at once. Just like your gels, like I like to spread my gels out that 90 grams, 60 grams over an hour you know, like I'll take a burrito with me and I'll eat a third of it, um, you know, starting at three hours, you know, 20 minutes in, I'll eat the other third or like, you know, the other, another next 20 minutes, I'll, you know, finish it off, you know, so just cause I don't, I don't do well with big, you know, personally, I don't do well. I've just found that I don't do well with big loads of food any, at any one point, I just can't handle it as well. So I have to spread anything I eat out just to help me keep moving and absorb it better. Um, so, you know, like I still remember reading Dean Carnaz, one of Dean Carnazzi's books about how he ordered a pizza on the side of the highway and, you know, ran and ate a whole large pizza. Like it, it made me want to like vomit, but he's just, you know, he, he's trained himself and that's what he can do. You know? So if you're one of those people that can just take a huge, you know, volume of food in and be fine, then maybe you're only eating once an hour and that's what you're good with. So, it, you know, that's really where that training and individualization comes into what you prefer. Cool. Cool. Uh, and that, that also brings up a, a good point. You know, the, the aid station foods sometimes have uh, things that, you know, we wouldn't typically, you know, use on, on one of our training runs. Um, do you suggest that they, you know, try to, to, you know, maybe one of their like long efforts that they, you know, kind of try out some of these things, like, like you said, having like a pizza or a pancake or a burger, you know, like, uh, should they be practicing these things as well? I mean, yeah. I mean, if you, if you can logistically figure out how to do it, I mean, and take it with you, then yeah, you, if that's what you're planning on doing during race day, right. Um, you know, if you're, if you're planning on relying on the aid station foods, then yeah, I would even more. So, you know, email the race director, call the race director, you know, see if you can message them. Most, I don't, I've never really met any mean race directors that say, I'm not going to tell you what's at aid stations. Most oh, of them nice. put it on their website, you know? Yeah. Well, ours is, yeah. Ours is in the participant guide. So yeah. Um, so I mean, most, we, yeah, we will have a few kind of, you know, aid stations that kind of bring their own thing and have, right. you know, yeah, the, yeah. the surprise, but yeah. Right. So. But you can, you can usually find the generic, like we're going to have, you know, we're, we're a goo race. We have goo. So we're yes. a hammer race. We're going to have hammer. Uh, right. This one, we like usually have like a egg fry and we have omelets. Yeah. Um, you know, that type of thing. It's, it's right. usually pretty well, you know, that information's out there nowadays. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's not too hard to dig. So right. if you're planning on trying to eat the aid station food, then definitely practicing with that food. I mean, what's the point of going out and, you know, if you're going to use their goo products, but you train with hammer all the time. Yeah. Um, and like, you've never had an egg in your life, but you know, that like the, at 70, they're going to have eggs, you know, and you're like, well, I'll try that egg at 70. Well, go ahead and try it on your race. Like make a little egg burrito and carry it with you or, yeah. uh, or just uh, eggs in a Ziploc bag. And, right. Um, and, and for those listening, it. we are, uh, we're a goo and tailwind. That's uh that's our two products. So, um, practice with goo and tailwind if you want to use it at the aid stations. <laughs> right. You're right. You're right. Otherwise, I mean, you know, like we were talking before we jumped on, there's six places to put drop bags. I yeah. mean, so Honestly, if, if you don't want any of the aid station food, there's plenty of places to drop your own food, grab your own, you know, pack and um, grab it. You could do it solo. You can have a crew. I mean, obviously, crew makes it a little faster. You don't have to, you know, because they're going to have everything ready for it. But if you're doing it solo, I mean, you got six places to drop your own food um, yeah. and, you know, use whatever you need to use. I kind of, you know, when I go into a race, my personal goal is to make aid stations kind of last resort. Um, unless they're just, unless... I've practiced with that food already. Like I know like they have something there that I like I use regularly on my own and I'm, I'm good to eat. Um, you know, braces are long, hellbenders long. 
you know, you get to mile 80, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're feeling fatigued, you know, you haven't had a, you know, pancake, but it's the greatest looking thing in the world. You know, your, your middle, you know, you're not competing for the win. I mean, there's only what, like maybe a handful of people that are the top five, you know, guys, obviously that's the handful. Um, so, you know, if your body's telling you that's the greatest looking you know thing in the world, you know, then it's kind of like, okay, eat it. You know, your body's kind of telling you, listen to your body at that point, but you know, just be aware too, that, you know, something could go wrong after that. But if you're trying to like hone in a, a race plan and nutrition plan, then, you know, making, you know, the more prepared you are, the better the outcome tends to be. Right. Which is, you just brought up a really good point, which, you know, if your body is having cravings, it is telling you something that it, it wants or needs. So, you know, you should try to fulfill that. So, um, good point there, Jake. Yeah. I've, um, I've, I've eaten some egg, egg omelets and I don't ever really eat eggs and I've gotten to, you know, mile, mile 70 and like the egg looked like the greatest thing in the world. And I, <laughs> and I felt better afterwards. So I don't know, you know, so sometimes, you know, some, you're like, yep. you're right. You're, you're right. You're yep. Um, all right. Uh, let's, let's move on to a little bit of hydration. Um, when we, when we speak about hydration, um, you know, obviously it's going to depend on temperatures. Um, can you just speak a little bit to, um, how people can determine, um, their sweat rate and how they can, you know, compensate for that sweat rate and, and replacing fluids? Yeah. So it's, you know, the, the typical recommendation is to weigh yourself, um, naked, you know, before, before you go out for a run, run an hour, come back, weigh yourself naked. Don't, don't eat or drink anything on the run and see what the difference in, um, you know, difference in weight is. And then, so if you have like a pound, you know, 16 ounces, uh, that's typically about your sweat rate. Um, and then, you know, um, and that's kind of, kind of how you find the, the sweat rate. Um, so it's, it's been a while since I've done that, but yeah, that's, that's the typical recommendation. Um, and then like, you know, hot and cold, obviously you're going to have a little different, uh, you know, sweat rate because, you know, if it's cold, you're not going to be sweating as much to cool yourself off. And if it's hot, you're going to be sweating more to cool yourself off. Right. What's, uh, sorry, again, the, uh, if, uh, what is the ounces per pounds lost? Do you remember? Of the fluid, like how much, uh, how much fluid do you need to replace per pound? So it's about, uh, What's it? It's about, I think it's, I mean, it's still about, is it 16? It's still 16, right? I think it's 16, <laughs> I know, I think it's 16 ounces. It got me thinking. I'm like, it's yeah, still I, 16 ounces. It should be. <laughs> 16 ounces. I'll, I'll double, better. I'll double check. If it's not, yeah. we'll, I'll, I'll send you something. Okay. But yeah, so and then, if we have a yeah. correction, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My mind's blanking, but yeah, it should be 16. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's 16 ounces per pound. All right. Yeah. Right. Great. Um, now, uh, so far as um, our electrolytes go, um, you know, especially it, it, this is going to be you know May sixth and seventh. It could be anything, you know. You just like you just said, it could be cold, but it also could be potentially hot. Um, uh, given a hot day, what are we looking at with uh, electrolytes? And you know, we often talked about like electrolyte replacement. So, what what kind of things should the runners be thinking about there? So, again, um, the the sodium recommendation is around, you know, four, you know, 400, 500 milligrams of sodium, um, per, per hour. And that, you know, it's kind of almost like a one-to-one ratio of milliliters of water to sodium. Like typically you're looking at like five to 700, um, mLs of water, which is about 16 ounces of, of water. Um, like a quick, quick ratio is, is 30 mLs per ounce. So if you did 16 times 30, that's 480. Um, and so your electrolytes, I mean, through a typical diet, like if you're eating well, like you tend to get in like the potassium and magnesium, um, typically, like if you're kind of, you know, you know, eating fruit and gels and more whole foods, you're going to get those naturally. The sodium can be a little harder because maybe you're not salting your food and people aren't putting sodium into some of the gels or, you know, you know, putting it on top of your food. Um, and that, that's going to be a little bit more individualized too. Cause some people, you know, the, the trick is some people can be heavy sweaters, but low sodium in their sweat. So they might not be losing a, a lot of electrolytes. 
whereas somebody could be a maybe a uh have less um sweat rate but have a higher sodium concentration in their sweat um so you know again it's kind of training like what how much you know sodium you want to take in whether you want to do it through pills whether you want to take gels that already have the sodium whether you want to put a little salt in your in your water kind of thing or salt your food um that you're taking with you but most of the time it's around 500 milligrams of sodium an hour um and you know if you're just drinking like on these longer runs if you're not eating if you're not eating enough and you're not and you're just drinking a lot of water i mean that that's where like the you know, hyponatremia risk starts to come in, or if you're just eating gels that don't have any sodium in it and you're just drinking water and you're not taking a, um, you know, a, a sodium pill, um, then, you know, that you, you become more at risk for hyponatremia, which honestly is, is more of a risk than really overdoing it with the salt. Um, you know, there's, you're not, you're not going to get you know, you have to take large copious amounts of sodium to start really getting more deleterious effects versus, you know, just drinking plain water and not eating food with sodium. I mean, that's, that's when, you know, things, hyponatremia starts to become real scary. I mean, that's where, you know, you'll get people that pass away, unfortunately on, on runs. So it's, it's better, you know, there, you'll see things like, you know, you don't need sodium on runs, but to me, it's like, it's not going to hurt you to have that, you know, three, if you, if you want to go on the lower side, two, 300 milligrams, at least that's something to prevent, um, you know, hyponatremia from occurring. Um, and you know, so if you just want to take a couple pills, you know, sodium pills or just salt your food, I mean, it, that's typically more than enough. Um, you just don't want to be, again, you don't want to be drinking plain water constantly and having your food not have any salt on it. Cause I mean, it's just a recipe for disaster especially like when you're talking about 24 hours, you know, being out there for multiple days, just like you need sodium in your regular diet. You know, we get, you know, most people's diets are over sodium because we eat a lot of processed food in America. And, you know, when you process, you add a lot of salt to things. So typically we get a lot of sodium in our diet and that's why everybody's always restrictions on cutting back, but you know, you need sodium. And there's a reason why there's, you know, you want to hit so much each day because your body, you know, your body still needs it. You would just typically get way much more than we need in America. Cool. All right. Uh, last thing I I really would just like to touch on briefly is, um, caffeine. Um, you know, this obviously early morning race, um, a lot of people are going to kind of have caffeine to start with. Um, if they're, starting that um you know and, and that's their their normal morning routine is having a you know a cup of coffee or or you know whatever whatever it may be a, an energy drink or whatever um and they what do you suggest um that should they stay with caffeine or should they wait until they get tired um before starting caffeine and then once you start you know in the race should you stay on it so if, if it's your morning routine to wake up with a cup of coffee um, and that's like the amount of caffeine you get, I would keep your morning routine going with that, uh, you know, typical amount of coffee or caffeine. Obviously people drink other things, like you said, energy drinks, tea. Um, so I would just keep that as your regular routine. Um, and then a lot of the endurance races, really, I would tell people to cut out caffeine during the day, unless you're just really dragging and need like a pickup you know, it's that time at night when you're about to go through another night and your body's naturally, you know, getting sleepy. That's where it's really going to be a performance booster for you to go ahead and, and have some caffeine at that time to kind of wake yourself up again and start going. Um, you know, during the day, I mean, your body's naturally, you know, and it's circadian rhythm is going to be more awake and alive. So you, you don't really need the extra caffeine, but you know, as the sun goes down, you know, your body pr- naturally produces more melatonin for sleep and, you know, when that happens, um, you know, you, you, you're going to need a, maybe a, a supplement of caffeine to help you stay awake longer. Um, and you know, if you're going to be out there for 40 hours, maybe, you know, taking a little power nap, you know, might not be the worst thing in the world for you, but, um, you know, that, that's kind of the routine keep your morning routine the same. If you do caffeine, keep, you know, keep it about equivalent, um, go throughout the day. I wouldn't really drink too much caffeine. I guess if you're a coffee drinker all day, every day, um, then maybe having some, some caffeine, just like you would do, because that's what you're used to. You know, a lot of the, just in general, like when you see like caffeine improved 10K 
um, speed times. Um, I was reading one step, you know, analysis and they were saying that, uh, excuse me. <clears throat> they were saying that it's really, if you don't drink caffeine and then you add caffeine in as what really boosts performance. So when that's the case, um, you know, you, you basically would want to go off caffeine. Like if you were looking at like a shorter race, like you would go off caffeine for like four to six, four to six weeks. And then you supplement it back in to like before to, to boost the performance, to get the performance boosting effect. But when we're talking about endurance races. We're really using it to stay awake and to keep going more so than like we're, we need to get, you know, 20, 20 seconds off of our mile time. You know what I mean? Right. right. So um, it's not more like, you know, some people they're like, it'll give me such a more of a boost if I don't drink caffeine two weeks prior to, to hellbender. Like, you know, I, I often think that's just like, you know, punishing yourself for, for two <laughs> weeks. Cause I don't think there's really a, a you know, a, a truly added benefit because you're not going to get that, you know, ultra, uh, you know, snap from it, but, yeah. um, you're going you're to take it at the beginning of hellbender and run a, a seven minute mile and, you know, <laughs> for the first five and then wear off and, you know, then you still got another 95 to go. I mean, right. The, the right. real, the real endurance side of it is going to be making it through the night and using yes. it for that right. enhancement, not, right. not to improve your mile time. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, um, so don't punish yourself by not drinking yeah. caffeine two weeks prior, if you're used to it. Um, yeah. and then, you know, again, like, so if you, you know, that first night you've taken caffeine, um, should you continue that through the next day? Is there, um, a risk of potentially like, you know, kind of like a, a crash, um, you know, yeah, once like, so, you know, if you start, like, let's just say you start drinking soda, um, you know, should they stay on soda for that second day? Um, you know, every, you know, every once in a while, or is it okay to, to, you know, if you're good at, you know, you know, the morning usually comes and you feel rejuvenated, is right. it okay to come off of, you know, drinking caffeine all night and just be, you know, again, through the day without it? Yeah. I mean, so I would, yeah, once the start, the sun comes up, that's kind of when you could probably, you know, again, put the caffeine away. I mean, hopefully the day and the sun will start rejuvenating you and, you know, releasing, you know, some, you know, your waking hormones and clearing melatonin again, um, from the body to help you stay awake. Um, the, so I would, you know, use caffeine, you know, at intervals throughout the night. And then once morning comes, you know, you could pretty much get away with not having it after that. I mean, if you're, if you stop taking it and you're just again, dragging and you need that little bit of boost then sure, you know, have another supplement of caffeine, but typically it's to get you through the night to get you to that next morning to really help you you know, stay awake. Um, and like I said, if you're, if you're going to be out there for 40 hours, it might not be the worst thing in the world to, you know, take a little power nap, you know, 30 minute, you know, nap, because, you know, you're, you're at that point, you're obviously looking to, for completion, not for, um, you know, to, to podium. Um, so, you know, when you're, when you're, you're trying to optimize it in that way, you know, take, you know, then you could even do the, what's it, the caffeine nap, I think it's what they call it, where you yeah, take a dose of caffeine. <laughs> yeah, take a dose of caffeine, take like a 15, 30-minute power nap, wake up, and then the caffeine's really hitting full effect, so you kind of get the sleep and the caffeine all at once, and then, you know, go again. Um, I've, I've never, you know, I think I've run, the longest I've run is 26 hours, but I've laid down a couple times just from more, I've never been able to really sleep that well um, in general just because I feel nasty. But I guess when you when you get so exhausted, some people don't have any issue passing out for you know 30 minutes (laughs) yeah yeah well you know the other my lesson that i learned was at hard rock uh i didn't have anything caffeine on my you know myself um and uh like a gel or anything that had caffeine you know within it so when i got tired and i wasn't anywhere near an aid station i wouldn't be for a while yeah you know i just really i was like dang i wish i had some caffeine on me so you know, don't forget that, you know, you can have some kind of product on you, like a, a gel with caffeine or something that can help you during those times when you're not at an aid station and, you know, have the availability, we'll have coffee and everything. And, um, but, you know, make sure to carry something with you just in case, you know, it's, it's just a, a safety yeah. precaution. So, yeah, I mean, they, you know, now they make, you know, gels with caffeine, they make caffeine just pills. I mean, you, so there's, you know, there's plenty of ways to carry, yeah. you know, save your gels, you know, caffeine with gels till the the night and, you know, drink your, (coughs) excuse me, eat your gels without caffeine during the day, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And again, train with it. I mean, you know, see how, you know, training with it during the day isn't going to be a, 
a, a big thing. Like if you're typically running, you know, in middays or, you know, ha seeing how that caffeine affects you just to, you know, per the gel, you know, how, how much that dose affects you is always good to see. But uh, during the race, you know, having it more at night is where you're going to get the added benefit. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Jake. Um, any last minute words of wisdom? No, I'll go with my typical trope of just keep training, train, you know, train, train, <laughs> train your gut. I mean, that's, you know, just like you train, you know, with all your great intervals and workouts, you program Aaron, you know, you want to, um, train, train your nutrition. I mean, it's, you know, we're, everything is, you know, going to help you get to the end of one of these races. And the more you can prepare and know what your body's going to feel like is just going to set you up for success. So awesome. I took a, a heck of a lot of notes here. I hope uh, the folks that listened <laughs> get some, some great stuff for, and I'm sure they will. Um, Jake, how can people reach out to you if they're interested in just uh, chatting with you or perhaps setting up a consultation with you? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I'm not much of a social media person. Um, so the easiest way to get, <clears throat> get to me is my email and that's just Edmiston, my last name, um, RDN at gmail.com. I mean, you know, you send me a link, send me some questions, you know, I'm more than happy to connect and see what we can do to help you out. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, my social media is pretty pathetic. <laughs> so, <laughs> so email is always the easiest way. I check that pretty much every day. I will put that in the show notes for those of you that, that missed it. Um, so Jake, Hey, thank you, man. Thank you for sharing all this knowledge with us. Uh, I certainly appreciate you. I'm sure these guys do too. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Well, uh, I, you know, a few things, uh, for certainly, I thank Jake for, for sharing all this. Um, I really hope you gain some, some insight and, uh, and ideas for your nutrition and hydration through this episode. Uh, also thanks to, uh, to Hellbender for giving me the opportunity to, to have these interviews, uh, and share them. Uh, really appreciate the, uh, the run eight to eight foundation, all they're doing and allowing me to do. So, um, you know, please, if you have a chance, uh, support the Runny 28 Foundation. Uh, they really do try to do good things for our community here in Western North Carolina, not only the Hellbender 100, but um, you know, they're trying to put together kids' races. Uh, they do shoe scholarships for kids, just you know, a ton of good work. So you know, check them out. I'll put their, uh, their website in the show notes. Uh, so thank you, guys. Um, so anyway, the world of MR running pains, my goodness, uh, so much has transpired. Happy new year. Uh, you know, here we are sitting in, uh, January of 2022, um, brand new year, brand new opportunities. I hope that you have a great year planned ahead and I hope that that comes to fruition. Uh, I know, you know, with Omicron things are, are, uh, are getting a little bit dicey again. So I hope you guys are staying safe. Um, and, uh, and that, you know, the world is not, uh, overly affected by Omicron, I think, um, you know, obviously it's, uh, it's, it is spreading quite quickly. So, um, you know, I hope we do not have to go back into, uh, you know, what we faced for the original COVID. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll keep moving forward. Um, so, uh, here we are sitting in January, like I said, so my newsletter has already come out. January newsletter is out. Uh, you can find that on my website, mrrunningpains.com. If you go to the contact page, uh, there are links for all the old podcasts and all the old newsletters. You can also sign up for the newsletter if you would like to receive that monthly publication. It is free, so um, check that out. Uh, and thank you guys for the feedback. I've been getting a lot of positive feedback. I put a lot into the newsletters, uh, you know, in writing articles and reviews and tips and all that kind of stuff. So um, I thank you guys for that. That does mean a lot. Um, got a new Patreon supporter. So I, I just want to thank all of my Patreon supporters. Uh, again, you know, we're, we're trying to do things with the Patreon dollars. Uh, not only, you know, beef up the, uh, the newsletter, the podcast, the YouTube videos, um, but, um, also, you know, with the the shoe scholarship and getting the used gear into, into folks' hands that need it. So, uh, if you can support on Patreon, Gosh, I, I certainly appreciate that. Um, even if it's just a dollar a month, uh, you know, honestly, everything helps, um, you know, covers the cost of the, the shoes, the shipping, all of that good stuff. So uh, your dollars are going back to good use. Um, 
not just into my pocket. Uh, and you know, again, I, I, I put a lot of, uh, uh, work into these podcasts, you know, they do cost money, uh, as do the, the YouTube channels, um, uh, and the newsletter, you know, I have to sustain with, uh, with websites and editors and, uh, you know, storage for the podcast, all that stuff. So, you know, it, it does cost money to do these things. So I certainly appreciate the Patreon dollars that come in. Um, also appreciate you guys leaving a review or sharing the podcast or just liking it. Um, and subscribing to it. That also is tremendous help. I've said it before, so uh, I'll say it again. Uh, but thank you guys so much for all of that. Um, as for YouTube, I've been uh, you know, trying to create a daily video uh, with the holidays. It was tough to be as consistent as I like, uh, just you know, travel and, and obviously the holidays themselves. So um, hope to get more onto a, a daily routine again, launching those videos. Those videos um, are not only for my self-accountability and training, they are also for you guys to perhaps learn something from. I try to put something in each episode that... Uh, you know, maybe a little tip or, uh, you know, a snippet into the look of, of training and ideas for training, um, you know, all sorts of things, you know, talk about gear each episode has a little something. Um, I'm also trying to do, you know, a few more reviews. I have some ideas, um, for, um, you know, for converting gear into usable, um, you know, combining um, gear to, to make it more usable for you, just some ideas. So uh, I'll be posting those on YouTube, uh, as well as, you know, some more gear reviews I've, I've been getting. I'm trying to, you know, go outside the box um, of our, our normal everyday gear and look at companies that may not um, get as much attention as the major brands do. Um, you know, in my newsletter, I've been talking about like raid light and, uh, and you know, some of the other things that, that I use. Um, I just actually, uh, got to use the raid light pack. Very pleased with it. I will do a review of that on YouTube. Also ordered a pair of their ultra shoes. Uh, they looked quite interesting. Uh, I'm trying to decide what to do for Bigfoot. Um, uh, you know, I've been running in pretty minimal footwear, but, um, you know, out there with the volcanic rock, uh, I'm going to need something with a little bit more protection. Um, curious to see if the Lone Peak is going to be enough for that. I hope so. I really enjoy that shoe and, uh, but, um, we'll see. We'll see. So, um, going to keep, you know, kind of, uh, looking outside the box and, uh, and trying to get some, some new gear, um, every once in a while just to test out and, and do some reviews on just to, you know, see what, what I think and, and kind of put it out there. Um, I just did my, um, Enda, um, 40 Kumba, um, review, uh, uh, Kumba 40, excuse me, review. Um, that's on YouTube. That's the Enda's new trail shoe. So that's up on YouTube. Um, I always post strength and core videos. Those are, you know, I use those with my athletes so they can see, you know, the exercises that I'm, I'm talking about. So, uh, posted two new, uh, videos up there. Uh, and, uh, man, yeah. So lots going on, obviously. Um, you know, the, this was a hellbender podcast. So, uh, if you're, um, if you're a fan of, of what we did with this episode, you know, you can also subscribe to that, uh, that podcast that comes out twice a month, uh, the first and third Saturday of each month. So, um, I'm also looking for a guest for the next podcast. I'm looking for anyone that has crewed for hellbender, uh, would like to talk to some crew members and, uh, you know, and hear their insight, maybe some tips for, for crews and, and, you know, for the runners and such. Um, so if you or someone, you know, uh, that you can recommend, please let me know. Uh, looking for a guest for uh, to record the uh, so that would be um, I need to record prior to the fifteenth so this episode comes out on the sixth so you know anytime uh, thereafter and before the fifteenth I'd certainly appreciate it if uh, if somebody you know or multiple people will reach out um, it's okay I can record a few times and include that in the episode really appreciate that though um. Uh, man, coaching is super busy right now. Um, you know, it, it, you know, the new year turned and it seems like a lot of folks are, uh, are looking to get back at it, which is awesome. Um, really hope I can help some folks reach their goals. So thank you guys for reaching out. Um, the, uh, um, that our, our track season is going to start up here pretty soon. Um, I've, uh, I've accepted the, uh, well, it's, it's going to be a volunteer position, but I'm just happy that I get to work with my son. I'll be the distance coach for his track team. Um, so uh, I'm really excited to work with him uh, and kind of guide him, hopefully, through through his high school years um, and, uh, and and make sure 
he grows and, and you know progresses at a rate that's uh, appropriate to his age. Uh, I hope uh, hope I do the right things. But anyhow, excited for that opportunity. And um, man, uh, I was I was running with a friend the other day, and he was saying that it was interesting to to listen to two of my podcasts. I was on the Movement Movement podcast with Stephen Sashin. He's the uh, the uh, CEO of uh, Zero Shoes. So being on his podcast, he's you know very energetic, very lively, uh, and uh, um, so we had a really animated conversation. And uh, and then he said, and then I listened to your your you know your MR Running Pains podcast where I did my gear review, and it was like night and day. I was you know I was kind of uh, a little bit slow, lethargic, um, maybe a little bit monotoned, uh, not much enthusiasm in my voice, and that was because I was recording it at 5 a.m. on vacation while my family was sleeping. So I was barely awake myself uh, when recording that. I hate when I have to do that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, this morning I woke up uh, 4:30 got up uh got my my work done for uh you know uh, a vast majority of what i had to do today for my work so did that this morning uh and dropped my daughter off at school and here i am kind of recording the intro and outro and uh definitely more awake <laughs> um so um you know it, the the time of day does make a difference so i apologize if i sounded uh just dead and <laughs> and and not uh into that that podcast uh, you know if if you do hear me speaking like that and there isn't much laughter in my voice uh, it's probably because i was recording at a time that i probably shouldn't have been <laughs> um but um other things coming up. I'm going to try to do some uh, some kind of preview runs on the Hellbender course um, and get out there um, and you know and do some video on the course. Um, been been wanting to do that. Uh, it's just been um, you know kind of crazy here uh, with the holidays and such. So, um, but I am going to make it a point to to get out there. So um, stay tuned for that. You can find that on. Uh, I will obviously share it on my platforms, but. Um, the uh, Hellbender Facebook page is a good resource. Uh, I'll, you know, I'm also going to email all the participants. So if you are a participant, you'll get an email for that, so you don't have to tune into to social media. But um, you know, if you're not a participant, you can uh, you can look for them on uh, on my socials. Um, I'll try to post those ahead of time. Uh, and if you're on Strava, uh, you can follow me. Um, just Aaron Saft, MR Running Pains, and uh, I'll probably uh, create uh, group runs, you know, um, through the uh, uh, through the Strava platform. So um, you can you can look there as well. Um, so a few ways to find me. Uh, all of my uh, socials and everything they are in the show notes. Uh, feel free to connect with me. Uh, I love questions, especially if you have ideas for podcasts or want to be a guest. Don't hesitate to reach out. Um, you know, I'd, I'd love to, to hear from you, uh, especially if you have feedback, uh, anything, you know, that you, that you think positive or negative, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm all ears. Definitely want to make sure that I am creating great content for you guys, uh, that, you know, you can learn from, um, I, I have a pretty cool podcast coming up that I, I hope comes to fruition, uh, with the ultra guys, they have their own podcast and, uh, you know, we're going to try a different format, but hopefully, uh, it'll be teachable moments that, that we can share. So, uh, stay tuned for that. Um, and you know, uh, God knows there's, there is a lot going on these days. Um, you know, we just had a bunch of, of, uh, registrations open up. So, um, I know the, the Yeti 100 lottery took place. Uh, so, you know, if, if you found yourself on the, uh, the winning side of that, congratulations. Um, you know, I hope, I hope you are, your training goes well. Uh, I know a number of my runners were excited about that as well as, uh, rim to river and no business had their registrations open and, uh, and they sold out. So, um, very cool. Very cool to see. I'm glad to see our, our sport is thriving and doing so well. Anyway, um, I appreciate you guys. Once again, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for everything, your support, your kind words. Uh, it, it really does mean the world to me. And um, I can't wait to, to talk to you next time, guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode and keep running, my friends. <laughs>